Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. On that note, if you want to donate, if you donate $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and From John to Justin, and on social media. If you donate $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by you with your name at the start. It's also stated it's sponsored by you on social media. If you donate $20, you get everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And if you donate $50, you get everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. You can also donate at buymeacupofcoffee slash craigu, and all of these links will be in my show notes. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok, where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to Bairdo37. And if you like, you can find weekly videos about Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash canadianhistoryx. You can also find transcripts of every episode I've ever done on my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. Before I start, I want to say thank you to Michael Matthews, who is the sponsor of this episode. He donated to the podcast, and I truly do appreciate it, so thank you, Michael. Before I start with this episode, I want to read a couple five-star reviews I received this past week. The first says, Amazing! This show should be required listening to anyone who wants to further their knowledge of this great country. Thanks, Craig. And thank you, Matt, for that wonderful review. The next review came from, and I hope I say this username right, Lee Garvey Oswald. They said, great show. Very informative. I sure enjoyed the election episode, particularly the 90s election shows. Well, I have good news for you. We're coming into an Ontario election and I've been working very hard on creating a five-part series all about Ontario's elections, every single one of them. And right now it's looking pretty large. Each episode should be about 30 to 40 minutes long, if not longer. And it's like I said, five-part. So I hope you enjoy it. And then when we get closer to the Quebec election, well, I'll have another series about every single election in Quebec's history. I hope you enjoy it because it's been a lot of work putting it together. After Lord and Lady Aberdeen left Canada, a man who had experience in Canada and actively campaigned to be Governor-General would take on the mantle of the Viceregal position. His name was, and that's a lot, Gilbert John Elliot Murray Kinnanmound. He was the fourth Earl of Minto, but in this episode I will simply refer to him as Lord Minto. Born in London to William Elliot Murray Kinnanmound, and his wife, Emma, on July 9, 1845, Lord Minto would earn his education at Trinity College at Cambridge after attending the college from 1864 to 1867. In 1867, he would join the Scots Guard as a lieutenant, serving until 1870. Two years later, he joined the Roxburghshire Mounted Rifle Volunteer Corps as a captain. He would also work as a newspaper correspondent with the Corps during this time, and he would see action in Afghanistan, Spain, and Russia. He was also involved in sports. Described as a short, fit man, he would spend several years participating in rowing, racing, and hunting, often competing under the name of Mr. Rowley. In 1867, while riding his horse, he would fall badly and he broke his neck. 
Amazingly, he would recover, and a few years later, Sir James Paget, a famous surgeon of the day, would say, quote, You are one of the most extraordinary persons who have broken their necks and recovered. End quote. In 1882, he had reached the rank of major. In 1883, he would travel to Canada for the first time when he was made the military secretary for the Marquis of Lansdowne during his time as Governor General of Canada from 1883 to 1885. And of course, we looked at his life just a few episodes ago. The two men had been friends for years and had attended school together. That year, he would also marry Lady Mary Carolyn Gray on July 28th. She was the sister of Lord Gray, and I'll be talking about him in the next episode of the series. Together, the couple would have five children. While in Canada with his family, he would become active in raising a Canadian volunteer force to serve with the British Army in the Sudan in 1884. During the Northwest Resistance, he would serve as the Chief of Staff to General Middleton. In Canada, the couple's daughter Eileen was also born and was nicknamed La Petite Canadienne by Prime Minister Sir John A. Macdonald. Lord Minto was then offered the command of the Northwest Mounted Police, but he turned it down because he wanted to return to Britain to pursue a political career. Upon his leaving Canada, Sir John A. Macdonald was reported to have said, quote, I shall not live to see it, but someday Canada will welcome you back as Governor General. End quote. Unfortunately, his political aspirations went nowhere, so he went back to his military roots and started to promote a volunteer army in Britain. In 1888, he was promoted to colonel and took over the command of the South of Scotland Brigade. In 1889, he resigned his commission and officially became the Earl of Minto in 1891. When Lord Aberdeen's time as Governor General of Canada was coming to an end, Lord Minto began to actively campaign for the position. He would write to Lord Wolseley of the British War Office, quote, The post is vacant in the autumn. I did not wish to ask for it, but that if he could let it be known, I should be willing to accept if offered, end quote. George Stephen, a former president of the Canadian Pacific Railway from 1881 to 1888, would recommend Lord Minto for the position. And on November 12, 1898, he would officially become the 8th Governor General of Canada. Arriving at midnight, he would speak to the public at an official ceremony the following day. He would say, quote, It is very encouraging to me to receive such hearty words of welcome on assuming the duties and responsibilities of my high office, and it is very pleasant to me to feel that any small service I may have rendered to Canada in the past have not been forgotten. After the political upheavals that came after the death of Sir John A. Macdonald in 1891, Lord Minto enjoyed a period of stability in Canada that was marked by a strong nationalism that was growing among Canadians. At the same time, the economy was booming and a massive amount of immigrants were arriving in the country. Unlike previous governors-general, Lord Minto had a strict sense of protocol and a narrow social circle. As a result, there was a limited number of guests who were invited to official occasions at Rideau Hall. A common theme of governors-general at this time, as we have seen, is that they did not like Rideau Hall. Lord Minto found it to be inadequate for the Governor-General, and he offered the National Gallery of Canada to have its location there instead. He would have the Minto wing built on the east end of Arido Hall to provide accommodation for his children, but that wing would be damaged by fire in 1904. On December 1, 1898, Lord Minto was made an honorary Lieutenant Colonel of the Governor-General's Foot Guards. This began the tradition of appointing Governors-General as the honorary Colonels of the Guards that continues to this very day. During this time from 1899 to 1902, the Second Boer War proved to be a major issue for Canadians and the government. While English Canadians favoured participating in the conflict, French Canadians were opposed to it. 
Prime Minister Sir Wilfrid Laurier would allow a volunteer contingent of 7,000 Canadians, equipped at their own expense, to participate in the conflict. Lord Minto would organize the Canadian Patriotic Fund as well to help care for the Canadian veterans of the war and their dependents. The Ottawa Citizen reported, quote, In response to the suggestion from His Excellency Lord Minto, subscriptions flowed in from every city, town, and hamlet in the Dominion, and even from Canadians in the United States, England, and other countries. End quote. Around this time, he'd also lend his support to Marconi's experiments with wireless telegraph in Canada, as well as the Arctic voyages to establish Canadian sovereignty of Captain Joseph Bernier. The Duke and Duchess of Cornwall and York, who would later become King George V and Queen Mary, visited Canada in 1900 and travelled with Lord and Lady Minto to Western Canada and to the Klondike. During the royal tour, they would visit Banff where they took part in a shooting party. The Windsor Star reported, quote, The weather is perfect, and as for the game, particularly the ducks, are plentiful. There are prospects of a splendid outing. All the shooting will be done by canoes, and the sportsmen will be on hand in good time in the morning to catch the early flight of the birds. Lord Minto would write of seeing the Klondike, calling it a wonderful experience and stating, There seems to have been an idea that we would hold ourselves aloof and refuse generally to meet all classes or interchange ideas. We have done our best to see everyone and do everything that time allowed. But Lord Minto would also urge reforms to the systems of liquor licensing and royalties on gold dust while increasing investment in the Yukon infrastructure. He would say, quote, The Dominion government seemed to have looked upon the Yukon as a source of revenue, as a place to make as much as they could and have used the proceeds largely for political corruption instead of the development of the country. End quote. After the tour was over, Minto recommended that Thomas Shaughnessy, who was the president of the Canadian Pacific Railway, be given a knighthood. Sir Wilfrid Laurier was very against this idea as he did not like Shaughnessy. Lord Minto put the recommendation in anyways. This bothered Sir Wilfrid Laurier, who would draft a new policy that stated any Canadian up for knighthood had to be approved by the Prime Minister before the list was sent to London. While Lord Minto was seen as stiff and a stickler for protocol, he would often surprise people around him. On April 26, 1900, during the Ottawa Hall fire, he helped fight the fire with the firefighters and even dug bodies out of the rubble the next day. On December 6, 1901, Lord Minto held a skating party on the Ottawa River. During the party, Bessie Blair, the daughter of Andrew George Blair, the former Premier of New Brunswick and a current Member of Parliament, fell through the ice. Henry Albert Harper would dive in to rescue her, but sadly lost his life in the process, as would Bessie. His last words were apparently, quote, What else can I do? End quote. The Calgary Herald reported, quote, The remains of H.A. Harper, the young man who lost his life in an attempt to save Miss Blair, was discovered under the ice about ten feet from the spot where he went into the water. Lord Minto arrived on the scene a few minutes after the bodies were found. End quote. Harper was the best friend of William Lyne Mackenzie King, the future Prime Minister of Canada. King would write in his book, The Secrets of Heroism, quote, The man I loved as I have loved no other man, my father and brother alone exempted. End quote. The loss of his friend deeply impacted King, who became the head of a government committee tasked with finding a way to honour his friend's sacrifice. In 1905, a statue of Sir Galahad was commissioned outside of Parliament to honour Harper. It is the only statue not portraying a politician or monarch at the main entrance. In 1909, before the King's speech in the House of Commons in a career that would last nearly 40 years, 
King laid ten white roses at the base of the statue. Lord Minto would travel extensively through Canada, as other governors general had. He would visit the battlefields he had served at during the Northwest Resistance, and he would tour with the Northwest Mounted Police throughout Western Canada. He would often refer to the Canadian West as, quote, the land of illimitable possibilities, end quote. He was also friends with U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt and shared his passion for creating national parks. Throughout his time as Governor General, Lord Minto was supported by his wife, who was described as intelligent and gracious and fluent in French. In Ottawa, she would serve as the Honorary President of the Victorian Order of Nurses, the National Council of Women of Canada, and the Imperial Order Daughters of the Empire. She would also raise money, thousands of dollars in fact, to organize cottage hospitals in western Canadian towns. Lord Minto was committed to the preservation of history and heritage as well, and that would lead to the creation of the National Archives of Canada. He would also support the government's decision to purchase the Plains of Abraham in 1903, and his love of history also meant he refused to sign a Privy Council order that authorized the construction of a road through part of the wall of the Quebec Citadel. Sir Wilfrid Laurier would state of Lord Minto, quote, He took his duties to heart, end quote. And like previous Governors General, Lord Minto was a lover of sports. He would found the Minto Skating Club in 1903. That club continues to operate to this day, and has produced some of the most famous figure skaters in Canadian history, including Barbara Ann Scott. Figure skaters with the club have included an Olympic gold medalist, Scott, two silver medalists, a bronze medalist, and, quite randomly and oddly, a future Nazi war criminal. Lord Minto would also create the Minto Cup, which was awarded to the champion senior men's lacrosse team of Canada and is now awarded to the junior men's champion. Lord Minto also pushed to see more history taught in Canadian schools, and he would establish the first anti-tuberculosis foundation in Canadian history. By 1901, there were rumours that Lord Minto would be retiring and not finishing his term as Governor-General. The Winnipeg Free Press, Prairie Farmer, would write, quote, The Chronicle, which claims to be well posted to the facts, says that Lord Minto disagreed with his ministers, not only in respect to the honours to be awarded to Canadians to signalise the royal visit, but also in connection with the awarding of commissions to Canadians for service in South Africa, end quote. In the end, he would not vacate his position until December 10, 1904, when Lord Minto's time as Governor-General ended. He would write in his journal, quote, So our life in Canada is over, and it's been a great wrench parting from so many friends and leaving a country which I love and which has been very full of interest to me, End quote. A portrait of Lord Minto would be commissioned, consisting of him in his hunting costume, hat in hand, and the portrait would adorn the walls of the Montreal hunt. The Montreal Star would write of him years later, quote, Throughout his term as office as Governor-General, Lord Minto commanded the high regards of all classes of the Canadian people. There were many reasons his popularity, at the top of which came his common sense, his sincerity, and, of course, the devotion to duty. End quote. Lord Minto had hopes of building a residence at the Canadian Rockies, but that would be put to the back burner when he was sent to a new location in the British Empire. From 1905 to 1910, Lord Minto served as the Viceroy and Governor-General of India. Around this time, he would speak of Canada once again, he would state, quote, I predict a great future for the Western continent. It is a land of incalculable riches. Northwest Canada today offers some of the greatest opportunities in the world. End quote. Lord Minto would pass away on March 1, 1914. Prime Minister Robert Borden would say of him at his death, quote, 
the news of Lord Minto's death will be received with profound regret by his friends in Canada. He served the Empire faithfully and well, both as a soldier and a diplomat. His associations with the Dominion, both in early and later life, won him a well-deserved place in the affections and respect of the Canadian people, whose deepest sympathy will be extended to Lady Minto and her family." In Canada, Lord Minto has been honoured extensively. Several streets are named for him, as is the SS Minto that sailed on the Arrow Lakes. Minto City in British Columbia was named for him, as is Mount Minto, Minto, Ontario, and Minto, New Brunswick. In 1900 and 1902, he and Lady Minto appeared on the Canadian $4 bill. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Lord Minto. Next week, we're looking at a very famous Governor General, Earl Grey, and I think you know what he donated to Canada. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.